0: to practice that one again. Are you ready? Here we go. Hi. It's great to be able to be here. This has been a special week for us as we've uh, kind of getting settled. As many of you know, I started on Monday, had a chance to uh, meet the staff and many of the leaders in this church, and I'm kind of pinching myself being in this role, and God has blessed this church tremendously, hasn't he? And uh, just some great leaders, some great people. I am just aw- 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 in, in awe about what God has done here, and the fact that I get to be a part of the team is just so cool. Um, so thank you, thank you for what God has done, is doing, and will yet do through us here at Grace. Welcome to week one in a four-part series called No, No Fear. Um, We want to talk about that whole area of fear because uh, fear is uh, a challenge for us, right? This is week one. We've got three more weeks. We're going to be looking at different ways in which fear shows up in our lives and how God wants to help us. And you know, I might ask you the question, what is it that freaks you out? What is it that makes you afraid? What is the thing that you go (gasps) about in your life? And we believe that God can help us moving through that there are some people with really tall foreheads who come up with these big names for different kinds of fear. You probably saw one of them already on the screen. It's this thing called arachnophobia. And um, arachnophobia uh, means, of course, the fear of spiders, right? It's coming. It's the fear of spiders. There we go. It'll catch up to me. I'm maybe going too quickly for it. And then there's another one called acrophobia. You've heard of acrophobia? Acrophobia is the fear of heights, right? Or here's another one: aerophobia. Aerophobia is the fear of flying, right? Here's another one: compoundophobia. You know what that is? Compoundophobia is the fear of buttons. I don't know if any, <laughs> any of you have that one, but that's a big one that we uh, that a lot of apparently a lot of people have that one. I. I I'll be looking to see if you've got any buttons on today. And there's another one called Equip equipadalophobia, something like that. And that is the fear of long words. <laughs> the fear of long words. And then we've got another one called phobophobia, which is the fear of fear itself. The fear of fear itself. And uh, anyway... As I, mentioned, um, as I mentioned last time I was here, I kind of did a little bit of an intro to the talk of this series that I'm starting, back on October the 1st, talked about the fact that the Bible talks a lot about fear, right? Because fear is something that I, I guess we struggle with. In fact, there's about 110 times that the Bible talks about fear. And when it talks about fear, it, it, it you know, uses phrases like, do not be afraid, don't get your shirt in a knot, cool your jets, things like that, that it says... No, not really. Um, And you'll get used to my humor, or you won't be getting used to my humor. Uh, But what happens is that we tend to have a lot of struggle with fears. And that's why um, I think God tells us, you know, because you're a bunch of scaredy cats, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about do not be afraid. And because God spends that much time on it, we're going to spend some time on that as well. Now, exactly what is fear? Well, fear is an anxious feeling caused by our anticipation of some imagined event or actual experience. So that's what fear is. And when you look at the definition of fear, one of the things you see about it is it seems to be talking about an event that may happen in the future or that's going to happen in the future that causes us to be afraid. In other words, our fear is always about something in the future. It's always about something in the future. And when you think about that, we need to realize that we have a God who's in the future with us and no matter what it is that we may be afraid of he's the God who is there with us now in this series we're not going to talk about sudden fears that we have you know those ones that kind of come at us in, a, in an instant of time but we're going to talk about those fears that kind of get a grip on our lives the fears that cause us to orbit our lives around that fear the fear that paralyzes us those are the kinds of fears that we're talking about in this series am I going to lose my job Is my spouse gonna leave me? What about my cancer? Is it spreading? Am I gonna have enough money this week to make it through? Will I pass this course? All of those kinds of fears that can sometimes take a big grip on our lives. How do we overcome them? And since our fears are about the future, we need to talk about the God who's in the future, the God who wants us to experience his faithfulness no matter what might lie ahead of us. And what I want to do in this series, we're going to have a verse that's going to become like the key verse for our series. And that verse goes like this. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. That's our key verse for our our, our talk during this series. So I wonder if you could read it off the screen with me. Will you do that, please? I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Notice it says, I sought the Lord... And he's the one who answered me, and the last song we just sang was so beautiful around that, and he delivered me from all my fear. So that's what we're going to be learning in this series. How can we seek the Lord? What can we understand about God that will help us to move ahead in this respect in our lives? I uh, have a friend, and um, he is really into motorcycles. And uh, he, he, when he was telling me when he took his lessons, I'm having trouble clicking this. Can I just get you to click the slides for me? Would that work? Okay, I don't know how to signal you, I'll, I'll, I'll touch my head. Does that sound good? Okay, good, great, thank you. So he was, he was taking motorcycle lessons in order to learn how to ride a motorcycle. He was like in his 50s when he did this. And he's telling me, he said, Ken, one of the cool things they teach you about riding a motorcycle is that when you come to a pothole or when you come to an object, that what you need to do is you need to not look at the pothole, not look at the object. You need to look at where you wanna go, not what the object might be. Any of you into motorcycles here, right? Or even riding a bike, right? It's the same kind of deal, right? Don't look at the pothole. So last Saturday, he and I were out on our, not motorcycles, pedal bikes. And we're zipping through some back country, through some fields and through some forests. And every once in a while, we'd come upon these, this, this place where we had to go between these two massive pipes. They were filled with concrete. They are about this big in diameter, 10 inches or so. And we had to navigate our bikes through them, and they were about this far apart. And um, being guys, of course, we don't get off our bikes and push through. Oh, 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 no, we don't do that. What do we do? We drive through those things. And I was saying, when I saw these posts, he goes zipping through them like there's no no, no problem at all. And I'm going, I'm going to hit one of these posts. And then I remembered what he taught me years ago about riding a motorcycle. And I said to myself out loud, don't look at the posts. Don't look at the posts. Just look at where you're going in between. And we did about maybe 12 of those kinds of experiences were just went through and I rode through every one of them. You can be proud of me. And I didn't hit one of them either. You know, it was great. There is an incredible spiritual lesson in that, in riding motorcycles. Do you understand it? Don't look at the pothole. Don't look at the thing you're afraid of. Look at the God on the other side of it, the God who's right there with you. Don't look at the potholes. That's what we're going to be doing as we look at this series today. It's really easy for us to look at the fear in our lives instead of looking at the God who wants to help us navigate the fear. So what we're going to be doing in the four weeks is looking at that. There's three directions I want to look at today when it comes to the fear and God's faithfulness. We're going to look up, we're going to look back, and we're going to look ahead. So we're going to talk first of all about look up. So if we can look up um, and count on the unchanging nature of God, God hasn't changed. Just because my circumstances have changed, just because fear has invaded my life, God hasn't changed. He's still there, and and that's so important for us to understand. Now, theologians have this big word for the fact that God hasn't changed. It's the word immutable. Can you say that with me, please? Immutable. And it's a beautiful word. And what it means is that God cannot change himself, and nothing outside of God can change God. God can't change himself, but there's no circumstance, there's no enemy that can also change God. He is immutable, he is unchanging. And because he's unchanging, we can put our hope and trust and faith in him. There's a little line that I like to say, and it goes like this, he is all he is all the time to me. He is all he is all the time to me. Can you say it with me off the screens? He is all he is all the time to me. Wow, that's powerful truth, isn't it? So no matter my circumstances, no matter the fear that I might be experiencing or going into, my God doesn't change. He is all he is all the time to me. He's the God who cannot change. He's the God who's faithful. That's what faithfulness means. You can count on him no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation. That means that he's somebody I can lean on. That means the characteristics of God, no matter my circumstances, are just the same as they have always been and will yet be. I can put my hope and my faith in him. He holds the future. He's faithful. We often become afraid because we don't know what the future holds. God faithfully, unchangeably holds the future. We often fear because we cannot control the upcoming events in our lives. God, faithfully, unchangeably, is in control of everything. We often fear because we feel helpless and alone. God is faithfully, unchangeably with us no matter what we face. Look at a couple of statements about God's faithfulness. Here's the first one from Numbers. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And you notice what's happening here is there's a, the writer is saying, Moses is saying, you know, I'm gonna compare God to human beings and there's three big differences between God and human beings, right? Number one, God doesn't lie, what do human beings do? We tend to lie, God doesn't do that. Number two, Doug, we tend to change our minds, God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't make promises and not keep them. People do. So he's making this big change, this big big comparison between human beings and God. Look at the next slide, which is 1 Timothy. And then here's what it says there. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Now look at that phrase, he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. Can you say that with me, please? He yeah, God cannot deny himself. God cannot deny himself. And really, that's true about everything that exists in so many ways, right? I mean, a serpent, a snake, can't deny what it is. It, it can't suddenly turn into a bird, right? And you can think of a, a tree can suddenly change into a river. God cannot deny himself. He is unchangeable. He is who he is all the time. To me, that's what God is like. That's so important. Is there anything that God cannot do? Yes, he cannot change. Okay? He is who he is all the time, no matter what the circumstance, no matter how we might think about it. So when we're living out our lives, we need to keep looking at God when, we're, when there's a fear before us, whatever that fear may be, and not... We need to look at God and not the post or the potholes of fear that are around us. And this truth about God is so important that we need to remember about it. Let me share share a couple of them with you. We look to the presence of God, okay? You notice what Psalm 23 says to us? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. So his presence is there. I can count on his presence no matter what fear is before me. I can count on the power of God. Look at the next verse, Isaiah 41. For I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will what? I will help you, I will help you. That's the God who is unchangeable. We can also look to the peace of God in the middle of something that we're afraid of. Here's what it says in John 14. Peace I leave with you, Jesus says. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid, I'm with you, whatever the fear may be that's gripping you. We can look at the position that we have with God. Look at Isaiah 43, verse 1. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are are mine. We're in this wonderful position where God loves us and he has made us part of his family. He owns us. And then there's the plan of God in Isaiah 46. Here's what it says. What I have said, that will I bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. He's large and he's in charge. Everything is okay. God's on the throne. It's going to be good. We may not necessarily like it. We may go through difficulties, but ultimately, he wins. And that's an important truth for us to remember in our lives, right? Let God be who he is in your life. He's bigger than anything you may fear, stronger than any force you may feel is overwhelming you wiser than any strategy any enemy might bring against you. The same God we see in the Bible is the same God who walks with us every day of our lives. He's the wise one. He's the strong one. He's the holy one. He is the unchanging, faithful one. Let me just say it again. He is all he is all the time to me. Can you say it with me again? You ready? He is all he is all the time to me. That is such a big, important truth We need to look up when we're heading toward those potholes of fear, those obstacles in our lives, those things that have a grip on us. We need to begin by looking up. Who is the God who's going with me into the future? Who's faithful? Who's faithful to me? Here's the second thing we need to do. We need to look back. We need to look back. Remember the unchanging promises of God. God makes a lot of promises in the Bible, doesn't he? There's all kinds of promises in here. One man, Rick Warren, says there's 365 promises. I've never counted them. I'm going to trust him. That's one for each day that we can look at. God makes a lot of promises. Now, you make a lot of promises, that's a lot of things you've got to fulfill, right? And if some of the promises he makes are quite challenging, and yet our God is a God who makes all these kinds of promises. Now, it's hard for us as human beings. We can tend to make promises and not keep them. We looked at that earlier in a verse I remember when I was with, we had our five kids in our little old beat-up van. We were driving past a Dairy Queen, and the kids said to me, Dad, can we go to Dairy Queen? Can we go to the DQ? Can we go to Dairy Queen? And I made a promise that at that moment was, uh, the next time we see a Dairy Queen, we'll get an ice cream cone. And as soon as it was out of my mouth, I realized, that was dumb, okay? That was not good, because there are like DQs everywhere. You know what I'm saying? So I'd see one of the signs a long way up when we were driving, and I'd go, hey, kids, look over there. I think there's something special on that side of the street. And we'd zoom by it. Or outside, no, there's a Dairy Queen. I'm going to go by it. It's got a big sign. I need to detour. And I'd drive around so I wouldn't hit the Dairy Queen. I was a bad DQ dad, okay, just so you know. But promises from human beings' points of view, oftentimes we don't keep them. We don't see them as valuable or special. But the cool thing about our God is that he is a God who keeps promises. And we can look in the Bible and see them over and over again. So to Adam and Eve, he promises that a seed will come from the woman. And that is the promise that Jesus would arrive. And wow, look at all the thousands of years that went by since that promise was given until the promise is fulfilled. Crazy, awesome, wonderful God. To Abraham, he made a promise that they, his, he would have a, a nation would come out of him. Pretty amazing, right? So Abraham and Sarah are old, you know, like they're really old when their promised one is born, right? I mean, they've been going down the, the diaper aisle for babies and, and the depends for old people, right? At the same time, that's when they're shopping. And yet all of a sudden, he has this baby. They have this baby named Isaac. And Isaac has Jacob, and Jacob has 12 sons. And we see this incredible promise that God has made. And what other nation on the planet of the earth has existed without a land for 2,000 years? You can look at Israel today, and I'm saddened, and I know you are, for all the terrible things that are happening right now. But there's been a promise that God made, and we can see it right today, that there's the land. That's their land. Pretty crazy. Pretty amazing. That's what God is like. God makes and he keeps his promises. Moses talks about this in Deuteronomy, and look at this verse on the screen. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors, notice that promising side of God, that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God, he is the what? He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. So here is God, and we know that God is someone who keeps his commands. And I was a kid growing up in church. We had a song called, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Any of you know that song? Some of us older, Come Thou Fount of, right? And in the middle, in, the, in, in pun part in the song, it says, Here I raise my Ebenezer. And I don't think anybody knew what that meant, but we sang it with great gusto. I'm going to raise my Ebenezer, whatever an Ebenezer is. I don't know what it is, but I'm raising it, Okay. Um, I don't know if you the story behind the Ebenezer just in case you sing the song again then you'll have an idea of what you're singing Um, and Ebenezer, uh, so in 1 Samuel chapter 7 the Philistines are about to attack Israel and the nation has just repented before God and Samuel, they're at Mizpah and Samuel is offering a sacrifice and as the Philistines come what happens is that God it says, causes a thunder which just sends the Philistines into chaos and the Israelites win the war And everything is is tickety-boo. Everything is fine, okay, at that particular point. And what they decide to do is raise a stone up as a marker that God has been faithful. And he names the stone Ebenezer, okay, which basically means I sought the Lord and he helped me. That's really what it means. Now, it wasn't the first time somebody had done that with a stone, Because earlier, when the nation of Israel were, after Moses is no longer the leader and Joshua is to lead them across the Jordan River into the promised land, as they cross the river, Joshua says, I want you to set up 12 stones that are going to act as a memorial of what it is that God has done. Our children will look at them and they'll look back and they'll remember that God kept his promises, that God's word was sure and fast. And so they would remember that they were in Egypt and they came out of slavery and they wandered through the wilderness and how God was with them in a pillar of fire and cloud and how he fed them manna and how he fought the enemies and now how he brings them across the Jordan River. It's a little bit like what God is saying is this, if you're driving through life and there's a pothole in front of you that's causing you fear, look up to the God who is unchanging. Second thing you want to do when you see that pothole is look in your rearview mirror. Just take a look. Look back at the promises that God has made and see the ones that he's already fulfilled and remember that this God who doesn't change, you're looking up at him. Now you're looking back at the rearview mirror and you're saying, this is the God who keeps his promises. I'm going to look back at his promises. I'm going to grab hold of his promises and I'm going to make them personally mine. So here are some ones I want to remind you of. First of all, from the book of Hebrews, here's what we have. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Look at the next one. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Don't see it right now, maybe, but I know ultimately God's gonna work it all out for his glory and my good. Look at this next one from Isaiah. You will keep him in perfect peace. All you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Look at the next one. The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So, as I'm driving through life, I see the potholes. I'm looking up to God, and then I'm going to look in the rearview mirror. I'm going to look back at those promises. I'm going to remember this is what God said He's going to do for me. He made a lot of promises. He keeps His word. I'm going to rest in those promises. And these are great verses to have in mind, to recite, as it were, to remind you that God has, in fact, is the God who does that. So look up, look back. Here's the third one. Look ahead. Look ahead. Have you ever noticed that when you uh, know the score in a sporting event or you know the end of the movie, that you really don't get afraid during the the program, right? So I'm a big NBA fan. I really, I love the Raptors. It's going to be a depressing year this year again. But anyway... Sometimes I've watched a game, and then I couldn't sleep at night. You ever had that problem where you can't sleep at night? So I thought, I'll go down, and I'll watch the game again. Like, it's going to be definitely boring. It'll put me to sleep. I don't have trouble knowing that they're going to lose, because I, I just know they're going to lose. I've already seen the game, right? Or they're going to win. Oh, I still don't get down when they're behind. Ah, No problem. They're going to come out and win. And when you know the end of the story, it doesn't make you as afraid of what it is you're going through in your life, Right? fear lessons when we know the end of the story one day there will be nothing to fear one day it will be all over one day it's all going to be made right i have a two-word summary of the book of revelation the last book in the bible jesus wins that's what the book's about he wins so i can look ahead I can look, excuse, look ahead to what it is that God is gonna do as I'm driving, way past the pothole of fear, and realize that there's a God who's gonna do some amazing, amazing things. But ultimately, he's gonna make it all right. Hebrews tells us this when it talks about Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross. What was it that Jesus did as he came to the cross and recognized the suffering he was gonna experience The sin of our sin on himself. What does he do? He looks ahead. He looks ahead past that. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame of the cross. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. What did you do Jesus. When you were face to face with this fear. The possibility of of being fearful over the cross. And all that it was about. The answer is. I looked ahead to the joy, and I think part of the joy is not just him being on the throne, not just everything being made right, but the joy of being with us. I think that all came to bear in his in this in what he was looking at at that time. Now, here's a question that people wrestle with: Did Jesus ever experience fear? Did Jesus ever experience fear? Well, there's a good fear and a bad fear, right? It's a good fear we call fun fear. Remember we talked about that? woo I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing fear, but it's fun. I'm on this ride. I'm enjoying it. Or there's protective fear, which causes us to look both ways before we cross the street. That's called protective fear. That's good fear. There's godly fear, where I fear, where I fear in awe and reverence before God because he's so big and so amazing. Did Jesus experience those kinds of fears? Absolutely he did. I think he had fun fear, protective fear. Obviously, he, he was in awe over God. But did he experience paralyzing fear? The fear that grips us, that grabs hold of us, our world orbits, orbits around it, and we can't get past that fear. We are so caught up with it. Did he experience that? There is no question about the fact that, God, that Jesus experienced the full temptation of that. And when I think of Jesus experiencing t- temptation, I think of someone who always pushed back, who never yielded to it, which meant, in, I think in some ways, that the the, the severity of the temptation was probably greater than you and I experience because we give up too soon. Did he succumb to the paralyzing fear in his life? The answer is no, he did not. He did not allow that to happen. Why? He looked up. Why? He looked back at the promises of God. Why? He looked ahead to the glory that he was going to experience, to the relationship that you and I can have with him. Jesus looked up. Look back, looked ahead. What can you and I do as we face these fears? And life is filled with them. And if you haven't experienced a whole lot of them yet, let me give you a promise. You will, okay? What are you going to do about that? You need to look up. Remember, God never changes. You need to look back. Remember his promises. You can see many of them fulfilled through prophecy and so on. Keep trusting in the promises of God. Take the promises that you're looking back at and bring them into your today. And then thirdly, remember, look ahead. There's a day coming when there will be no fear, when everything is going to be right, when we are going to be celebrated and celebrating the wonder of who God is. Will you bow your heads with me, please, in prayer? It may be that you're here this morning and there is a real fear that you're having. A fear about your health. A fear about your finances. A fear about relationships and you just can't get it off your mind. It just seems to weigh down on you. That, that fear is not the kind of fear that God wants us to experience. And maybe you need to take some time to just be reminded of the God who never changes and how powerful he is, the promises he's made, the joy, the anticipation of being with him and all being made right. And I suspect we're still going to struggle with it, but this can really help us tame it until eventually we're able to really walk through it for God's glory. Heavenly Father, um, I pray for everyone in this room for struggles of fear that may have gripped our lives, that, Lord, you'd be the one who would come alongside and minister to us, help us to understand that you're there, that you're bigger than any problem we may face, and that one day it's all going to be right. And maybe we need to get alongside someone else in the room who we know loves you, and ask them to pray for us and walk with us through this time. But I pray, Lord, that your hand would be on us today and that you would be glorified in all that we've said and done. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.